0: Today, in this episode, Brie and I thought we would introduce a new segment that we've sort of been playing around with the idea for a little while of starting a little book club. So hopefully, if you guys are into this episode, we'll make this a segment that kind of reappears a little bit more. But today, what we thought we would break down is some of the bits of the book, A New Earth, that you know, we've highlighted and scribbled over and over again. Um, and as we were just kind of reading them out to each other, we were like, Oh my God, now, well, at least I was, I was like, now I just want to cancel all my day, sit down and read this book because I forgot how much good stuff it has in it. So with this segment, we kind of just hope that, you know, it inspires you to potentially pick up a new book that you haven't read before, or pick up a book that you have read before, but maybe years ago, just to Reinspire some ideas and help you sort of um, potentially break some patterns that you're moving through now and keep growing and evolving into who you want to be. I mean, that's what books do at the end of the day. So here we are. Hey, Brie.
1: <laughs> Hi. And I also just think it's like really interesting. Whenever you talk to someone about a book that's touched you, I think it's also really cool to hear how it touched them because everyone's version of reality is so different and so what one person takes, you know, what what message one person gets from a particular quote, another person will have a completely different perspective. And so I think that's the other cool thing about running this segment moving forward. It will just be interesting to hear how different books land for different people. And, like, for me personally, Eckhart's book, A New Earth, was, like, a really pivotal moment in my, like, awakening mm. and my transcendence into consciousness. and for other people, it's just a book that they read once. And so even that, right, it's just you just have no idea what what's going to touch you and how, um, and, yeah, I guess that's the beauty of books and will just be cool. So, yeah, we hope that this segment can kind of become a bit interactive and we would love to be able to, like, chat to you guys, you know, get some voice memos from you guys about different chapters that you're reading or you know, different um, quotes on different pages and perhaps you guys could um, actually voice memo us and let us know what parts of the book you'd like us to kind of touch on and break break down further um, just so we can, yeah, all have a bit of a conversation.
0: Yeah. And in future I think it would be cool if we, um, you know, spend a month reading a book together with you guys and then we'll do like a wrap-up episode of it like if you have questions of the book that we're collectively reading um we'll break it down uh yeah because i think that'll be that'll be pretty fun to do that and i think you mm. know also i saw that this was on spotify premium for free included and it's it's uh narrated by eckhart himself which is cool so if you don't actually have the physical book if you have spotify premium it's like 12 bucks a month or something this is not a sponsored thing for Spotify, but hey, that would be fab. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, then you can just listen to it for free, which is really cool.
1: Yeah, and Eckhart's voice is just so grounding and calming, right?
0: Totally. Sometimes
1: I just listen to him talk because it, like, if I'm in a like anxious state, he's like an anchor for me. I just put on his podcast or his book, and it just like, I don't know, it just does something to me. I swear to
0: God, it just yeah brings me right back down. It's like because he's that exact living expression of the things he writes about, so it doesn't even matter what he's saying, he's transmitting that energy anyway, which naturally will shift shift your state.
1: Completely. Yeah. Sometimes I good. don't even listen to what he's saying. I just have him in the background and I'm just like, it's just the tone of his, like yeah. it's just his energy. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. thanks for the hug, Eckhart. Like needed that. <laughs>
0: All right, well, I'm not reading today. I'm just going to go put the audiobook on and lay down and just listen to his name. I mean, not his name, his voice. No, yeah, don't listen. So good. Love it. So, Bree, do you want to kick us off with a quote that you've highlighted that's been me- clearly at the point when you read the book was meaningful to you? Sure. So, so the first one I have for us says,
1: for those reading along at home, it's on page 57. <laughs> It says, spirit is released from its imprisonment in matter. You realize your essential identity as formless, as an all-pervasive presence of being prior to all forms, all identifications. You realize your true identity as consciousness itself rather than what consciousness has identified with. That's the peace of God. The ultimate truth of who you are is not I am this or I am that, but I am so good that one in
0: oh yep just click this whole concept of i am yeah it's everything Mm. yeah all right i'll read out my little bit that kind of ties into that and then we can we can break those down Mm -hmm. so perfect those of you reading at home (laughs) it's page 115 uh it says the ego says Maybe at some point in the future, I can be at peace. If this, that, or the other happens, or I obtain this or become that. Or it says, I can never be at peace because of something that happened in the past. Listen to people's stories and they could all be entitled, Why I Cannot Be At Peace Now. The ego doesn't know that your only opportunity for being at peace is now. Or maybe it does know and it is afraid that you might find this out. Peace, after all, is the end of the ego.
1: Wow. <laughs> it's so delicious. I think there's a lot swirling around around um, the different planes of consciousness, and I feel like this talks to that a lot. Mm-hmm. I think our human obviously exists on the earth in the 3D, but it's the peace is found in the 5D, and I think that's what a lot of these teachings are talking about is like when you can transcend this density of matter that isn't even true, (laughs) just appears to be true. And we can rise into this 5D world where we know to be true that anything and everything is possible and that we are just one and that we have chosen to be here in this moment and have created everything that we see when you can meditate on that and have those glimpses into that space, I think that's where you can just find so much peace because all of a sudden the separateness dissolves and, yeah, peace Peace can be found in those moments.
0: Yeah, and I think it's like that thing, you know, peace is inherent in who we are. It's just that we have all of these illusions of who we are that keep us separated from that inherent peace. Because I feel like when you do Mm. have those moments, when you experience peace and like maybe it's in meditation, maybe it's when you, you know, are immersed in the ocean and you're just like, holy moly, this is just like, this is everything. Like I am everything, everything Mm. is me, and you just have like that bliss feeling. Sometimes Mm. it's, you know, it takes to some degree there's effort to create that experience but when it unfolds it actually is the most effortless thing because you haven't tried to like add any more layers or any more roles or any identities or any masks to yourself which is what we constantly do all the time in the world like that's what our ego survives from is you know wearing a mask and even Brie and I right now are wearing a mask of like we're podcast hosts right now like that is still a mask that's an identity But, you know, it's important that we don't get so identified with just how we show up in the world because it's those identifications that we keep seeking and using because, again, we are in a world that requires us to have roles and identities because we're in that density. It's that forgetfulness that that's all we are. Like, you know, yoga would say Mm. you are that, but you are also this. I am. Mm. Without... I am Holly, I am Brie. I am a yoga teacher. It's just I am. And everything is me. I am. And yeah, I am. There's nothing that needs to attach to that. And there's a mantra in yoga, so hum. And essentially this is what so hum is saying. It's saying I am. And it's also this idea of just meditating on your own existence not your existence mm. with all of the roles you play, but just the literal fact and expression of I exist. And that's more that consciousness experience. It's not the ego experience. And it's, mm. yeah, I think it's it's definitely a process. Like the ego wants to, it doesn't want to die. <laughs> it's like a survival mode. No. Just the way it it. <laughs> yeah, so it gets so scared. And so, you know, those moments where, you might have an idea of like, oh, my God, I'm going to go do this. And then you have moments of like, oh, that's scary. Because if you do that thing, part of your ego has to change or die to grow into a different version, and that is very threatening to the ego. So the ego will literally convince you. And like how that quote said, like maybe the ego does actually know that peace only exists now, but it's afraid that you're going to figure that out because if you figure that out, you no longer need the ego to survive. And then if you don't need it anymore, Mm. what's its purpose? What's its role? You know, so it's, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. And I think just like, even when you read it, you feel at home because the reason you feel at home is because that actually is your home. It's not like this foreign Mm. thing. It might feel foreign. Like the idea of peace might feel foreign. Um, the idea of I am might feel foreign. But at some point, it won't anymore.
1: Yeah, Mm. it's just your true essence. And I think what you said about you might have to just keep, like, you might have to um, put effort into retraining and rewiring to begin with until you can have that complete drop in. But that's that's still good. Like for a while, when I first started on this journey, I would just go and like touch a tree or sit at the beach and just keep reminding myself doing that. I am one with everything. And it was a very conscious, um, choice domain. And, and it was very mental, mm. but at some point without even trying, but because I had been doing so much work in raising my vibration and things like this, there was, it did just get to a point one day. And I, it's not, I'm not saying that I'm in that state all the time. It it absolutely still comes and goes, But there have absolutely been these beautiful moments of pure bliss of, yeah, like literally I was just in the ocean one day and like this beam of just pure joy just washed over me and I just realised, oh my gosh, like I'm just connected to all of this. Like this is me. This is completely me and like the joy, like I was that happy. I w- I couldn't stop smiling, but I was also crying at the same time because it was just this like absorption into one. Like it was just, and I'm just like at the beach on my own and I'm like thinking if anyone's watching me right now, they're just going to be like, what is this chick on? <laughs> but it was just such a beautiful m- moment and it was just so pure and organic and you can't f- force it. It's like the more you let go, the less you resist, then that's when these moments can actually come in, and I think that's why meditation is so important, right? Because it's that—it's like almost training, completely to get to that point.
0: Yeah, definitely. Mm. And it's like the the ego lives in the reality of like individuality, like which is obviously separation. Like I am an individual; mm. you are an individual. And that really is the role of the ego to have a personality, to have an individual reality, because, um, you know, we've spoken about this on the podcast before, like if we all were just here, having the same experience of consciousness, there would kind of be no point to the world. Like if we weren't all yeah. individual humans, like there would be no purpose. It would be just weird. Right. Um,
1: We do that on different planets. That's not why we come to earth.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally. So, like, I think even just the acknowledgement of, like, once you acknowledge that your ego is actually a thing, then the key is to never stop inquiring about it. Because as soon as we just decide, like, you know, maybe even just the ego is a bad thing, so I'm not even going to go there. It's like, don't see it as such an evil thing. Like, yes, it's limiting, but keep inquiring with it like build a relationship with it, understand it, because only then when you fully understand it, you'll start to be able to go beyond it because like there is absolutely more to who you are beyond that space. And that might feel like a weird thing now, but like Brie said, like meditation is like training. It's training you for these moments because you have to do some rewiring. You have to um, like essentially like change your perspective on who you are and I think that's why Mm -hmm. you know we all at some point in life do have a question of like who am I or like what am I doing because we know inherently that this can't be it (laughs) like there's no Mm -hmm. way that this is just it um even I think like the whole I've heard people talk about this before but I'm not really I've just listened to people. I don't like understand it myself or anything, but I think it's like, you know, fascinating the idea that we just fall asleep at night and like, we're not in those roles anymore. Like we're kind of asleep to all of that. And we have the potential for like dreaming and lucid dreaming and all of this other stuff. Like think about for eight hours a night, you were just gone. Your ego is gone. You're not like associated Mm. with the world, like, you know, dense world anymore. You're in a completely different state so I think just even the fact that we mm-hmm. can go into those completely different states like sleep and like dreaming says a lot about there absolutely is more to us than just this waking state where we identify, you know, with our roles and, and our egos.
1: Even like just think about when you're dreaming and like when you don't give your spirit time to connect to the other dimensions, um, to the other planes that are available to us, that's when often we have those dreams or those astral travel moments, Jimmy. those and that's why sometimes we wake up and we feel so exhausted even though we've had, Jimmy, a really big sleep, is because if you don't allow yourself the moments during the day to connect in and to allow these downloads to come in, they're gonna to come to you at night. And so I know I'm really guilty for this sometimes and I, I go through periods where sometimes I'm really open to receiving messages throughout the day. And I create the space and other times I'm more resistant to it for whatever reason, just depending on what I'm working through. Um, but I've absolutely just had so many um, moments. Like for example, last week, I, I see when I, when I travel, like when I astral travel, I see things as um, energy and I'll know all I can see from my humanness. My my human, even in dream state, still perceives um, things as energy. But my soul, I'll, I'll see just colors and vibrations moving. But my soul knows that that's a room. That this is a door. That I'm stuck in this part. And it's just so interesting. And it's it's those moments that if you really start to contemplate them, you can really start to realize. Oh my gosh, like. It's kind of that proof that we, that our human needs to see, to believe that there are other things out there. Mm. So, you know, if you see, if you see or like just know, just like we have the five senses, there are also those corresponding clear senses. And so not everyone hears spirit, not everyone sees spirit. Some people feel it. It's just the exact same as all the other clear senses. And I think during all of this work, you know Eckhart talks a lot about like he doesn't really talk about it in this way but it's essentially the same the same thing is we're just trying to connect to this other dimension of self um, this limitless potential and um, expression of of ourself and so whenever you're dreaming as well if you can remember the dream it was meant for your conscious self so right down any symbols that came through any colors that came through anything that kind of happened and look into the meaning or meditate on the meaning of those signs and symbols that you got because it is your higher self trying to talk to you and I think that's just something a bit off topic but something worth flagging
0: <laughs> yeah
1: um as well because it can really help you to start to
0: deepen that connection yeah and that bridge Completely. I think that's a really good point. Mm. And something that I think helped me, you know, early on is I just heard about, like, I can't remember who was talking about it, maybe Dr. Roberts Svoboda or someone in the Ayurvedic realm. And mm. they were talking about, you know, if our five senses are limited, like even the fact that we know dogs smell far more than we sm- than what we smell. Like whales can hear far more than what we can hear. And so even just that, like Mm -hmm. we're almost being like, I don't know, tricked already if we just believe that the only reality that I have access to is that which I feel through my five senses. Like our five senses are limited compared to other species on the planet. So they're having a different experience on the same planet, which is literally the same. Just because we can't tap into it, it does not mean it's not real. And so I think that was something early on that helped me just be like, oh, okay, so that makes sense. Like if I just think about it in a very real physical world way, like not spiritually, mm-hmm. just like a very real factual way. Okay, well, then if there's more in the actual physical world that I can't feel, I can't see, I can't hear or even, um, you know, smell, then there has to be more to the world as well that I don't yet have access to. And I think like once we Mm. um, tune ourselves to those clear senses, then we'll start to have access to those things too. So I think that's a really like a thing to just remind yourself. And if you're like someone who's like, tell me the facts, like I think that's just a really good factual thing um, just to kind of perspective a little bit.
1: Completely. Or even like look at – Look into how insects and birds can perceive the world through their eyes. Like their eyes are literally, literally allow them to see more colors, more color spectrum than we can. They've scientifically proven that. So that's again, what we see as color versus what they see is just completely different. And that's scientifically proven. So, yeah, good point. Go like if, if, if this is feeling a bit sticky, you can. Science is catching up. <laughs> Science is catching up to what we innately know within ourselves. So you can yeah. now go and find the proof to whatever you need proof to. proof to. Yeah. <laughs> proof to. Yeah. This kind of leads in as well to this next quote with um, around spiritual practices and just the importance that they have in the ascension um, of humanity and to allow us to step into these higher levels of consciousness. So on page 158, Eckhart says, Spiritual practices that involve the physical body, such as Tai Chi, Qigong, and yoga, are increasingly being embraced in the Western world. These practices do not create a separation between body and spirit and are helpful in awakening the pain body. They will play an important role in the global awakening. It is always the case that both the victim and the perpetrator suffer the consequences of any of the acts of violence, oppression, brutality for what others do, sorry, for what you do to others, you actually do to yourself. You can go beyond it by taking responsibility for your inner state now. Mm. I think, yeah, it doesn't really matter what, what, spiritual practice you connect to if it feels aligned to you i think it's just important that you have a practice because no matter what road you take it's if you have the intention to raise your vibration to reconnect to the oneness of source to break down your old patterns and beliefs it doesn't really matter which way you which road you take because the teacher will keep appearing as you need them to. the The books, the resources, the podcast—they're going to cross your path. All you need to do is to remain in that aware, like that. That, yeah, remain aware of what's coming into your into your world, into your reality, and just keep following our path.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think, like, what all of these things have in common is that they do use the body as a tool first because even just think about like what the thing we identify the most with, it's literally our body. Like it's our meat suit that people see in the world. Like people don't see anything beneath that. I mean, obviously they do, but I mean, Mm -hmm. if we're talking about our five senses showing up in the world, we interact so much through the physical body. And so these practices Mm -hmm. that do involve the physical body, it's a way of, you know, going through the body to get to something else because the ego is so identified with the body. So even just like changing your relationship to your body through those type of practices, and, you know, so much lives inside of the body and the body can mm-hmm. be or what lives there and the patterns that live there, the memories that live there can Limit us as well. And they can just kind of like reinform the ego, reinform our stories, and vice versa. The ego can just sort of reinform its information to the body. Um, so, yeah, this is why I think it's just common anytime we move our body, we just feel better, right? Like something's changing. Completely. It's just the power of shifting your state. It doesn't really matter how you
1: shift or move your body. You might choose to dance, to do yoga, to go for a walk, to swim in the ocean. When you are when you if you're in an environment that triggers one of your old patterns or triggers an emotional response that you attach to, and you choose to stay in that space, in that moment, and you keep perpetuating it, that's exactly it's just gonna stick. You're gonna latch onto it. But as soon as you Uh, like notice okay this emotion has come through or you know this pattern's repeating as soon as you can have that awareness that okay this is happening it is separate from me it's something that I'm experiencing it is not innately who I am and I have the power to control this and to move this and I'm going to actively choose to shift my state to move out of this environment even though it's going to feel really hard even though your ego is trying to it's going to try and lock you into that pain. It likes you being in that pain body because it's that fear that keeps you connected to your ego. And so you need to really work to become conscious, like to become really aware of what's going on so that you can just take that step, just taking that step out the front door and going for a walk around the block will have such a huge impact on your state of mind and then like eventually will allow you to transcend this. Like mm-hmm. the last few weeks, for example, I've been working through a lot of um, uh, relationship things which previously would have triggered me into that pain body and that old pattern for weeks or months. That's That's mm-hmm. how I used to deal with things. I would let the emotion become me, completely engulf me for months, literally months, and then eventually, you know, I'd come out of it. And then this time I was able to instead observe myself in that and not allow myself to be, like, pulled into that. And it's it's just through this constant training of awareness, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so if you are feeling any kind of pain, I would just encourage you just to allow it to be there and just to witness it as separate from you to realise that it is just something, an energy that is passing by you and it is not innately who you are
0: mm. and that
1: you do have the, the power within yourself to shift your state, to shift your consciousness.
0: Mm. Yeah. And I think like when you're doing these physical things, the fact that you can become aware of what your body feels and the fact that you can become aware of sensations, that's a sign that you are not it. Like you are the thing watching and sure. being aware because if if we were the body, we would not be able to, you know, be aware of it because we would be it. So there would be nothing to be aware of because the awareness itself mm. is the thing. And You know, at some point in that's kind of the journey of meditation too. Like you become aware of, let's say, um, I don't know, the breath, like the object of the breath that you're watching which helps you realize, oh, I'm not the breath. I can watch the breath. And then you start to become aware of the part of yourself that's aware. Like there's even another layer like behind that that you can be like, okay, I'm aware. Can I also be aware of the part of me that's aware? Like can I observe the observer? Mm -hmm. At some point they all just kind of become the same thing. And then that's when it's like, oh, that's the wholeness of who I am. Like there's nothing more to observe here because you're just absorbed. And that's kind of like what you said in the, uh, when you're in the ocean, like, that's why we use that word absorbed because you're absorbed again. You're no longer having to observe because you're not like subject and object. It's those two things. There's like no difference anymore. But at first kind of the training steps is actually being like, oh, I can become aware of this thing that I'm so identified with. So I mustn't actually be that thing then. So if I'm, and this is what I was talking about before, like keep inquiring. So if I'm not that thing, like, what am I then? Okay. Can I go become aware of that? Mm. Um, Which I think is kind of really fun. Like, it's just this fun little exercise you can do with yourself. Um, Yeah. Even just like, if you're going out walking, be like, oh, I'm aware that I'm putting one foot in front of the other. And like, that's a pretty autonomic, autonomous thing that it's just like, don't have to Think about it too much. Like my body's kind of just doing that. Like, can I watch my body just do its thing? It's pretty cool. Hmm. That is cool.
1: Mm. And it's amazing just by something that seems so small and insignificant, how much impact it can actually end up having on your life. You yeah. keep stacking that, that that mindfulness stack. It yeah, just has huge impacts in your life. Do you I have is. your little quotey that matches?
0: I do. It kind of like leads a little bit into what we've been talking about. So this is a um, little section all about stillness. It's on page 256. It says stillness has no form. That is why through thinking we cannot become aware of it. Thought is form. Being aware of stillness means to be still. To be still is to be conscious without thought. You are never more essentially more deeply yourself than when you are still. When you are still, you are who you were before you temporarily assumed this physical and mental form called a person. You are also who you will be when the form dissolves. When you are still, you are who you are beyond your temporal existence. Consciousness, unconditioned, formless, eternal. Mm. So
1: beautiful. what What it made me think about is just, how much we resist the stillness, oh yeah, yeah, how much we resist that that innate
0: wholeness, yeah,
1: with everything,
0: yeah, and it's no wonder it's a challenge, right <laughs> completely, and like we talk about this a lot in yoga, like in particular when you're doing asana and This is why doing asana in a way where you are not just flowing through it so quickly is incredibly important because if you want your yoga to be a practice that does help you get to those places of actual true stillness and, you know, true peace and fulfillment, then you do need to start to adjust what you're doing to the body. The reason for that is when you bring your body into stillness, like you're in a pose and you're holding it there, the body is going to try and move. And that's because the mind itself is literally trying to escape stillness. And the way it's doing that is through your body. So if you can actually Mm. bring your body into stillness for long enough, you'll have the moment where your mind's like, oh, just pretend like your shoulder's really sore. Got to move that for a second. Like, obviously you're not, your mind's not necessarily having that conscious thought, but it's going stillness is not what we do. This is not how I keep attached to my ego. Still, no, 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 that's scary. So let me move. And so it moves through the the form of the body. And, you know, because obviously all these things are linked, like the mind is inextricably linked to the body, vice versa. So if you do something to the body, you will do that to the mind. So if the body is still enough, long enough in yoga, you get to actually become aware that the mind doesn't enjoy it. But then eventually, what will happen is your mind, because your body will be comfortable with stillness because you've trained it to be, your mind will start being comfortable with stillness as well. And once you bring, like, you have to overcome that need for constant movement, which essentially is like resistance and distraction to that bigger thing of who we actually are. If we can just spend enough time going, I'm going to override that for a little bit, then glimpses, of stillness will truly start to come out, and what you find is like they're so much more desirable to be in than the constant movement. It just takes a little bit of training and work. Like if you're someone who's done yin yoga before, like how many times are you uncomfortable just with the idea of being still that you're like, just gonna check my fingernails out for a hot minute, like, oh yeah, we're good there, or like, yeah. oh, a bit of fluff <laughs> on my. Um, A little bit of fluff on my tights or, like, what's that thing on my mat? Like, even little movements like that. Like, I don't even mean moving your entire body or even just, like, what's that person doing over there? I'm just going to look. I'm going to keep my body still, but I'm going to move my eyes. That's still a form of movement, Mm -hmm. right? And it's all just your body's way and your mind's way of distracting you from that stillness because it's not your natural it's your natural essence right but it's not the natural way we show up in the world and like so the mind won't go willingly into stillness Mm -hmm. so you have to bring it there it's like the same way we have a dog on a lead otherwise it's gonna go crazy just move around like you have to train your dog to and be still and um this it's we it's literally true like put we your have, mind on a lead yeah exactly like we have to train ourselves to sit behave be still. we can't just think that because i decide i'm gonna go and just sit and be still that the mind's gonna be like i fucking can't wait to do that yes please let's go do that
1: like no sign me up <laughs> the same way like i think else. that's been one of the most I think that's been one of the most beautiful parts of um, doing your yoga training is I've tried so many different uh, versions of meditation, but unless it's that whole practice, like, and, you know, actually moving through the asana, you know, to give your mind something to focus on and unless you go through the journey to arrive in stillness. Yeah, I've just always really struggled and found it so hard to stay there. Mm. But now that I've, I know the sequence and I know how to guide my body and my mind and my awareness, like, and my consciousness into that moment. Yeah. I'm able to most, most of the time now, when my neighbors aren't having a freaking party for like two weeks now, I've been able to have like rude, like 45 minute, like really 45 to 60 minute, really beautiful embodied practice. Um, quite consistently because I'm going through the motions and I'm arriving at a place that is so connected and all elements of my body are happy to be in. Yes. I mean they they kind of my body's already starting to understand the routine and there's I'm just noticing how much less resistance there is now to my practice because I finally found the the way to land in stillness that works for me um and that's just been such a gift because like I said I've just tried so many different versions I like it's not like I didn't want to have this practice I just couldn't make it land I couldn't get it to stick and so I'm like oh man highly recommend people
0: (laughs) it's so like transformative because I think you know Mm -hmm. we perhaps before like you know, really venturing down into a system like yoga. We, and I know I refer to yoga all the time, but like, that's how I understand the world. That's how I show up in the world. It's, it's how I make sense of everything. And, you know, it's obviously transformed and changed my life completely. So sorry if yoga is not a vibe for you. (laughs) Um, I would say if you're listening to this podcast, it probably is. Um, But I think, When we haven't like fully understood, like how to get the mind into meditation and how to prepare it, we, or even that the mind needs preparing, right. Or even that the body needs preparing. We put so much pressure on ourselves to be still and like to go into Mm. meditations and be like, I should have a fabulous experience every time. And then if it doesn't work, we're like, Mm. oh, something's wrong with me. It's like there's nothing wrong with you. You just haven't conditioned yourself in that way yet. You're conditioned to not be still. So I think just knowing like if you find meditation difficult or if you find being still difficult, there's nothing wrong with you. You just have created an environment where that doesn't feel natural to you right now. So you need to do some work, which is what going through that complete practice does is so that you change your state so that stillness becomes a state that is so accessible right? Like if I'm running around all day to all of these different things that I have to do, you know, I've got to do the groceries and then I've got to clean my house and I've got to go to work and then I've got to prepare lectures. Like that's not stillness, right? And so if I just tried, I mean, sure, you can just be like, all right, I'm going to sit and meditate now for 10 minutes. My mind is just going to keep going where it already was, like just on this constant movement. Mm-hmm. i have going to spend some good amount of time Getting my mind to be like, oh, high stillness. Nope, distraction. Oh, that's still like to actually learn that that's something that it can access to and exist within as well. So that by the time I'm like, okay, now we're sitting down for 20 minutes to meditate and be still, the mind's like, yeah, cool, I'm on board, because you've started to mm-hmm. overcome those wandering parts of the mind, so that but by- when you get to meditation. You don't have to spend time fighting and resisting the mind so much. You've already created this absolutely perfect condition for for meditation. And I guess that's probably mm-hmm. the experience that you're starting to have now. Yeah. Definitely. And I'm, it's just
1: now it's something that I'm looking forward to instead mm-hmm. of something that I felt like I should do. Yes. And that feels so nice because it's been something that I've wanted to do. And it, yeah, it just feels like such a gift to actually have found Yeah, the practice that works for me. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's like part so. of you always wanted to do it, but now the part of you that's resisted that has actually caught up to wanting to do it. So now it's just like oh, well, that's as just- well, yeah. it's like
1: I wasn't I wasn't preparing for it. Yeah. So I would just jump into I just jump into stillness or I just jump into a guided meditation or I just jump in and yeah. there was no preparation and I just didn't understand how valuable the preparation was. I really underestimated that. Yeah. Um, but I think that actually that's like more, almost more vital. Yes. Like the, the, the lead up's kind of more vital to that end point.
0: Mm. Completely. Yeah. Mm. And I think it just like so beautifully mirrors life. Like we are going through a journey in life constantly and that's the ultimate Mm. journey right is to have that you know reabsorption after death sounds intense but you know (laughs) um no it's true it's true like the one of the greatest things obviously as human beings that we fear is death and it's not just the ultimate death at the end of life it's all of these other little deaths that happen in life like endings and deaths of the ego um, you know, cause I don't, you know, I kind of think if we're here in this world, the ego is never going to maybe be completely dead and gone unless we are like, you know, a master sage, um, which then we probably maybe wouldn't be existing in the world as much. Um, but I think there'll be like times when the ego does die a little bit in terms of like an aspect of it dies and identity drops away so that you can keep finding more of yourself. Mm. But so I think having that journey in a yoga practice that is complete, that gives you the ability to, like how you said, like that preparation is as vital, if not more than that end point, because if you don't go on that journey, then that end point is never going to feel peaceful. And it doesn't Mm. mean meditation every time feels peaceful, but you're still going to At least be prepared for whatever experience is there and have some ability to be able to just be with the experience. And I think like yoga absolutely always mirrors life. Like you're having this journey in a practice because ultimately what you're doing is you're having a journey in life and yoga is preparing you for that journey in life that we're all undergoing, regardless whether we like it or not. And so, how can we steer our journey in an actual yoga practice, including meditation? to be as beautiful and blissful as possible without attachment to the fact that that's actually what it is, then, you know, that's what life starts to look like as well, which is where we, I saw a little quote in the book before where it was something like, you are the dancer and the dance. And that I think is just like perfectly, yeah, it's so beautiful. It sums up like what the spiritual life is. You're not trying to just dis- detach yourself from the dance. You're not trying to stop being the dancer. You're trying to remember that you are both.
1: And even just thinking about the dancer, the dancer embodies joy and it, it embodies authenticity in the way that if you just allow your body to intuitively move, that's really authentic to you and that's ultimately what we're trying to become is this embodiment of authenticity and joy. And that's something that I've really learnt this year um is in the East, like we take all of our practices so seriously and we're so rigid with them, doing we have to do it like this, but actually that's not true it's mm. It's just like. Any practice and like with the right intention is, is beautiful, is perfect as it is. Mm -hmm. And so I think in these moments, and what Eckhart's kind of saying with the dancing is just like, if we can actually just be that embodiment of joy and allow ourselves to move and have fun and experience life, like this isn't meant to be so heavy and dense and serious. We've created this. We have, you know, on a global consciousness, scale we have created this
0: Mm.
1: and we can choose to create a completely different reality because the all is mine all is the universe and the all is mine and we create this Mm. so we get to choose in every moment to create a different reality and that's the really beautiful thing that's happening right now is we're seeing we're seeing this massive awakening of consciousness happening on a global scale because people are making the decision to choose joy to choose authenticity, to choose love over fear. If you think even about, this is something that I've been playing with a lot actually, the last, um, few weeks is if you think about how we protest or rally against something, we're literally just keeping that fear alive. We're rallying on fear. What it's like. Um, we're perpetuating the problem when we rally or go in and do in protest something. And imagine if we actually started, instead of focusing on the problem, we started focusing on the solution. And imagine having all of those people come together and instead of them all focusing on the problem and the fear and the pain, which is keeping that alive, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: imagine if they all came together, all of those thousands of people, and they started focusing on the solutions on joy, on love. And I think that's where we're going to go. I think people are starting to realize that what we focus on persists. Yeah, And so imagine once, like, it's not going to be long until we're all coming together and it's not going to be stop the coal ships. It's going to be like, how beautiful is our ocean? How, mm. how much can we connect to each other? How much can we love and learn from nature and the world? And mm. I think that that's going to be something that we really see shift in these next couple of years as people start yeah. to be, begin to realise their power yeah, and their connection and their oneness and what we're capable of if we make this shift. Mm. Because even us rallying it like that, that's pre-programmed. Mm. People haven't. They probably haven't thought. Why am I doing it like this? It's just always been done like that.
0: Yeah, I think it's really a beautiful point of like, even just you know how we live in the world—not these like big global scales, but just in our personal reality—is we do focus on what's wrong, and what someone did to us, or mm-hmm. what someone said to us, or how someone treated us, and it's it's keeps us so stuck um, because. It doesn't allow us to move towards, okay, what am I going to do about it? And yeah. how am I going to? We stay
1: stuck in the victim.
0: Yeah, completely. And it's, yeah, mm. I think it's kind of like what that quote said before, where Eckhart was saying, like, if you listen to people's stories, everyone's story could be entitled the same. This is why I cannot have peace. Because that's what we're constantly verbalizing when I say, this person did this to me or, you know, and obviously I do that too. But it's just, yeah. you have those yeah. moments of like, oh, hang on. I am just reinforcing that story or I am reinforcing that, whatever that person made me feel, I'm continuing reinforcing that by saying, well, that person did that to me and that's why I can't experience love right now or I can't experience peace right now. And sometimes like you catch yourself in those moments and you're like, idiot, Like and me then- with my neighbours. <laughs> Yeah. And then you kind of have that moment as well, like what he said before, the ego knows maybe, but actually it doesn't want to admit it. And you do have those moments where you become aware and you're like, but am I willing to let go? Like I'm aware, but I don't know if I want to just, and like you could instantly in a moment just switch. And yet sometimes we just keep ourselves in the shit for way longer than we need to, because we're just like, I don't know, this feels more normal. It's quite funny. And like when I'm like, myself in the moment doing that. I just like have a little chuckle to myself and then it's gone again. Sometimes I don't. But when you do you're like, how funny are we that we know and yet we don't know.
1: <laughs> Completely. We just have this moment of forgetting. Yeah. My dad always says this thing, because sometimes I'm like, why are they doing that? Or why am I doing that? Like let's call me out on this too. Like I'm all for owning my shit. Um my dad says like you know, some people are just happy being sad. Like, yeah. That's the state that they've chosen to be in and yeah. they're happier there because they know that. They know how people treat them when they're in that state. They know how they turn up for the world in that state and they're really happy at some level being sad or being whatever, whatever emotion you can put at the end of that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> but some people are just happy existing there. Yeah. But as Eckhart says, and this is my favorite quote in the book, and this is actually the quote that was like the moment for me. He says, when you cannot, when you can no longer stand the endless cycles of suffering, that's when you begin to awaken, when you've just hit that threshold. And for me, like I was probably like seven months into a, like post-divorce and I was still in that really like, whoa, you know, poor me state. And I read that and I was like, Holy shit, like no more. I can't yeah. I can't stay in this any longer.
0: Yeah. And so and once, I yeah, I chose to step out. Once you decide you don't want it anymore, is like we spoke about this in the last episode, like when you've now shifted, you have more energy in the desire to change instead of more energy in the desire to stay the same.
1: Like mm. that's
0: what that moment was for you, mm-hmm. like, actually more energy now is behind getting out of this suffering. And you got yourself out, right? But as long yeah. as there's enough energy, uh-huh. like, and we might not realize that's a conscious thing that we're doing, but until we, yeah, have no more tolerance for that suffering, why would we change? Do you know what I mean? Like, there's there's a humanness aspect to us that's like, give me a good enough reason. Like, you know, otherwise, yeah. what?
1: why? like you find with all of these um, patterns that we land in and that we keep repeating is that there's always a secondary gain from them. Yeah. And so it's trying to work out what's the secondary gain of this pattern of behaviour? What's it actually bringing to me that I feel on some level that I need and that I'm only going to get that? Maybe it's that attention, that love, that connection by being in this pattern of behaviour but yeah. actually that's not true um but we have to get that awareness of 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 why why we're acting like this where did it come from that self-inquiry is so important in those moments um yeah. because when you can find the root cause of the pattern you can still nurture that that root cause that pain body from a different angle and i think that brings us so much peace as
0: well yeah agree so let's all go read A New Earth now. And it's purple. This is like Cosmic You oh, branding.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm so off brand, guys. Oh, nice. my jello. <laughs> One, Bri. God
0: damn. So funny.
1: It's so funny. But so I've got like this hierarchy of like in my books, I've got like the underline, which I'm like, yeah, cool. That's That's cool to know. Then I've got the underline with a star. Like, you oh, should definitely lovely. reread this if you open on this page. Yeah. And
0: then I've got the tabs like,
1: Girl, open the book there.
0: <laughs> this is life-changing stuff, and it looks like you've tabbed every, like, third page. I love it. I, just what I do is I, if I'm, like, reading and I'm like, oh, look, at, I've got some stars here, and you're like, oh, all of them. <laughs> just, like what I end up doing is just, like, bracketing the whole, like, I don't highlight the whole thing. I, like, draw a square around the actual paragraph. Yes. Like I just keep lining for like you know twenty lines of the whole book. Yeah, and I never used to do that. I used to be like when people wrote in their book, I was like, "How dare you ruin your book like that?" I used to be like that too, and then I was like, "Ah, mm-hmm. oh, it's it's literally like another way that just like helps you remember. Like think about how we were all, you know, conditioned in school to learn was to write." And, like, it's literally using that muscle. So I think if we can, like, put pen to mm-hmm. paper in some way when we're reading books, it does help you absorb it more because that's just how we were all brought up in school. Um, whereas I think nowadays yeah. we, I mean, you're listening to a podcast right now, but nowadays we just only listen and we don't do anything necessarily about the thing we're listening to. So I think, like, if you feel like, you know, Brie and I back in the day, like, don't ever ruin your book like that just go do it, give it a little try. Give it a little like squiggle, like something that feels good. It feels good actually. It feels so nice. Still don't turn the corners of my books though. I'll find you. I was saying to Bree before this um, episode, I literally dropped this book in the bath when I was reading and it's so like messed up, it's so swollen, it's so disgusting and every single page looks like it's been scrunched up a million times. But I'm all for the doggy ears. Still beautiful and sacred. Huh? Totally, <laughs> totally. On the back of it, it says, "Prepare for an amazing journey where life gets better and better." It's a total lab.
1: Oh, on the back of mine, it says something different. It says, oh. "Are you ready to put
0: aside ego and be awakened?" Oh, Ooh. maybe oh. it was personal to us at the time. Stop. Does your say at the bottom find out who you truly are and change your life for the better forever? No. This is wild. What does yours say at the bottom?
1: Create a better life. (laughs)
0: Oh no, I mean on the back.
1: Stop, Eckhart, with the personal messages. No, nowhere.
0: Nowhere on it. Mine says create a better life on the front. (laughs) Okay, if you have a copy of please send us what yours says.
1: Yeah, let us know. Does yours? Mine's say- from like 2019, I think I got it.
0: Oh, this is like, whoa, maybe like oh, 2014? You might have had some updates in. Yeah, right.
1: Anyway, guys, let us know what yours says. What personal message did Eckhart send you? Very <laughs> funny. All right, brilliant. Can you let us know what
0: you thought about this episode so funny um we're on the same Brie and i are on the same page metaphorically and literally (laughs) but yeah let us know what you thought about this episode if you want us to keep doing some segments on books um if you just want us to read out certain things that inspire us or you want to actually do like a little book club where we read together and then wrap up the book together um let us know we'd love to hear from you thanks so much for tuning in guys we'll see you next time bye